never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Dr. Mae Jemison, first African-American female astronaut. of the Uncle Marv podcast. I am your host, Uncle Marv, and I am coming at you live. We are a little bit late, but that is because of a special circumstance. And when you see the guests that I have on this evening, some of you will understand, others of you won't, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I want to start with just a tad bit of news because we are coming in the day after the Super Bowl. And... I've been really hesitant to talk about the Super Bowl, and I did tell my other podcast listeners that while I was going to be rooting for Tampa Bay, I hate Tom Brady. So it just made it that much more distasteful that Tom Brady not only won his seventh Super Bowl in 10 tries, he did it in very, very very stunning fashion and just basically pummeled the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. And now Tom Brady is undoubtedly, without question, the GOAT, the greatest of all time when it comes to Super Bowls and statistics and all of that. And they're going to come back and do it again. So if you are in the state of Florida rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we should be able to see yet another championship possibility next year. If you are 99% of the rest of the country and you are sick and tired of Tom Brady, get ready. It's going to be a whole nother freaking year. But with that, I do have to say that Florida man yet made another great appearance in the Super Bowl. If you were fortunate enough or stupid enough or couldn't find anything else to watch in the fourth quarter of last night's game, well, you saw some Yahoo running across the field and just sheer stupidity. But, of course, it was Florida man, uh, Yuri Andrade from Boca Raton, not far from where I am now, was the idiot that ran across the field, supposedly advertising some stupid little porn site, got tackled by a security guard, and will be facing... A trespassing charge should be a lot more for being stupid, should have been tackled by one of the players, and should be getting charged a lot, lot more. So just want to get that out there. That's our news for today in the world of sports. I do have some hometown news, although it's not really hometown, but I really, I just have to mention that there's two stories from the, uh, I don't know if it's a city or a town, but it's a place called Vieira, Florida, which I don't think existed when I was growing up. I grew up in Satellite Beach, folks. That's basically on the coast of Florida, south of Cape Canaveral, south of Cocoa Beach, and the famed Patrick Air Force Base, home of the Satellite Scorpions, Ghost Corps. And there's this town 
across the intracoastal called Vieira that somehow has made it into, I, I don't know how this is, and if somebody lives in Vieira, somebody from the beach wants to reach out to me and help me understand how Vieira continues to rise in the ranks of the top 20 master-planned communities across the country. I, First of all, I guess I don't understand what a planned community was and didn't realize that that was happening there. But uh, last year they recorded an impressive 45% increase in sales compared to 2019. Vieira became the 16th top-selling community in the country for 2020. So uh, I do want to talk with somebody that is either in or near Vieira to talk about that. And I will end with one more note because I made the porn reference earlier with the idiot Florida man at the Super Bowl. March 6th and 7th, the band Casting Crowns will be performing at the Space Coast Daily Park in Vieira. And for those of you that do not, do not know, Casting Crowns is a very popular contemporary Christian group. I have listened to many of their songs. If you forgot that uh, I was involved with the church, yes, I am. Just because I denounced the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't mean that I don't stop listening to good music. Casting Crowns has such songs as Voice of Truth, East to West, and Praise You in the Storm. They will be in Vieira at the Space Coast Daily Park, March 6th and 7th. And if you hang around for the post-show this evening, depending on how long we go, I might be able to play one of those YouTube videos of Casting Crowns. All right, folks, that's going to do the news. Let's get to our guest in the green room right now. You know them as the famed brother duo of Bloomington, Indiana, of Junior Achievement and Najak fame. Then they disappeared and went off and did their own things, and I heard that there was rumors that somehow they both ended up lost in the White House at one point in time. I'm talking about Chip and Tim Hart. Guys, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing well. Good to see you, Uncle Marv. Wow. Yeah, man, it's been great. So it has been a while. Now, now I got to see Tim uh, about 18 months ago, but Chip, I've not seen you, even though I've uh, we chatted a couple of years ago when I was flying into Chicago. So tell me, how's life been? Oh, life is exciting as always. Uh, living in Chicago, uh, uh, helping to lead a tech company here, and uh, watching my kids uh, go off into the world. So. I think I'm probably experiencing many of the same things that everyone else has been experiencing this year, and it's good to see your face. Yeah. And uh, is that one of the kids now? <laughs> uh, I have twins, boy-girl twins. One of them was just trying to call me. Uh, saying, Dad, get 18. out of my room? Is that what he's saying? <laughs> That's right. They're, they're 18. Oh. And so my daughter's at college, and my son is just back from a gap year adventure, and we'll be heading off this uh, this fall. So. All right. So why are, there, why are there still bunk beds in that room? Oh, this is my office, and uh, this was their bunk beds. These bunk beds have been here. See, like if you look over this way, you can see the bunk beds. They've been, become quite famous in my company over the past year because, like, I'm in this room, I don't know how many hours per day, and 
all anyone ever sees is the bunk beds. <laughs> oh, my. And Timster, what's up with you? You have a new job since we chatted last. Yeah, true. Um, I've got a, I'm working for Home Advisor, so I'm an inside sales rep in, uh, in their management program right now. So I've been doing that for about a year and uh, really enjoying it. My boys, I've got two kids, uh, 13 and 11. So uh, this week we're planning my oldest, uh, his high school schedule for next year, uh, which is crazy. So I can't believe I'm, I'm uh, already planning high school schedules. Tim, will you be going back to high school or uh, are you going to try to avoid that? Uh, they've asked me. Uh, I, I've actually asked them to go back, uh, brush up on my math skills just a little bit just so that I can maybe help Sean and Chris their freshman year, and then after that I'm tapping out, and uh, we'll be going with professional help should they need it. Math help, math help. So That's good. <laughs> now, now, Tim, you were uh, teaching at one point, right? I thought I was. I don't yeah. understand. How are you teaching English as a second language? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I know Spanish. So here in Indiana, about 10 years ago. Yeah, the um, Spanish hub of the country. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But it's funny, they just, you know, the teaching community just assumed if you speak Spanish, well, clearly that means you can communicate with people from all over the world. Um, and you can speak Mandarin, you know, and all sorts of other languages. So uh, they asked me to come back into teaching and uh, took over the English as a Second Language program at the high school that Chip and I both graduated from here in Indianapolis. So it was an amazing three-year journey uh, working with that population. Loved it. Great time. Oh, my. Yes, Tim learned that if you speak slowly enough and loudly enough, anyone can understand you. <laughs> and I don't know, Marvin, you may uh, not recall, but we grew up in Puerto Rico. Tim and I grew up in Puerto Rico. So Tim's Spanish is native Spanish, and he actually is quite good at it. I did, I did not know that. How did I not know yeah. that? Uh, our father worked for uh, Eli Lilly, so when we were very young, well, I was very young. Chip is five years older than me, which that's a half a decade, uh, you know, just in layman's terms. Uh, so we moved there when I was like a year old, give or take. Um, Chip was almost 10, and uh, we lived there for about 10 years. So uh, that's where we, where we uh, learned our Spanish. Wow. So you probably should have been the one to lead the international delegation that I had in nineteen <laughs> in nineteen ninety. Yeah, but Marvin, uh, whenever you speak, everybody but hears you and understands you. I mean, you're Uncle Mark. Come on, <laughs> that's right. Years of love. So uh, for people that are watching and or listening at a later time. Chip and Tim both were a part of the National Junior Achievement Conference, which you've heard me talk about many, many times. It permeates our lives. Guys, why don't you both go through and tell us about your experiences with Junior Achievement, getting to the National Conference, and uh, that way we can get a little background there. Sure. Chip, go ahead. Well, I was in Junior Achievement in high school, in fact, Met my best friend, uh, Greg Genrick, uh, who's also from Indianapolis, in the program, and then got to be a national officer. Uh, it, I was the national vice president way back in way back in the day, uh, in the nineteen I guess nineteen eighty one, and then went on to be a volunteer for many years, which was fantastic because uh, the last. When I was a senior in college, I was part of the staff that I worked in what was Connecticut 
uh, Junior Achievements National Headquarters at that time and uh, got to have a fantastic summer working for the organization that I care about very much and then continued to be a volunteer until the conference ended. That led to me uh, being a volunteer in Chicago and, in fact, uh, joining the board of uh, Junior Achievement of Chicago, and I've been on that board now for it's got to be 20 years and have worked with the national organization and the local organization uh, for a long time, and it's uh, by far the most important charitable cause with which I'm associated. Yep. I started the same way Chip did, uh, doing the high school program, uh, the evening program, as it was known, uh, after school, running our businesses, uh, which was incredible. I give Chip a bad time, you know, for being my much older brother. But uh, in all seriousness, if it hadn't been for him participating in that program and being exposed to it and then wanting to participate, uh, I would have missed out on, you know, one of the biggest uh, parts of my life uh, from an influence standpoint, a passion standpoint, um, and the impact that it had not only on me, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids around the country. So mm -hmm. I then went as a delegate uh, when I was in high school uh, to the conference and then staffed it as a counselor, a pink fink, as we are all affectionately known, <clears throat> excuse me, for what, I don't know, five years, six years, something like that. Had to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least. So uh, it was fun uh, getting to hang out, obviously, with you, Marv. That's where we get, where we met. Lots of fun times and stories. Uh, we could tell about those those days. But uh, it actually led to me actually having a job uh, with Junior Achievement. I When I moved back to Indianapolis from Florida, as a matter of fact, uh, worked with the local office for about three years as a director of development. Uh, and I don't even know how many classes I volunteered and taught over the years, both high school, college, uh, and, and post-college um, for the organization. So it's a great program. Anybody that looks wants to get involved and help kids be prepared for uh, the workplace and society today, uh, they should jump on. All right. Well, it sounds, sure. like we well all, yeah, I, it sounds like we all took similar paths, although you guys were probably a little bit more determined in your path. I ended up pure accident going to the national conference. I just happened to be in the office one day and the executive director said, Hey, would you like to spend a week in Indiana at the national conference? We've got a spot. <laughs> so even though I had one president of the year in my area, I don't know how they were selecting people to go to the conference, but that's how I ended up going and uh, spent 10 years, two years as a delegate, eight years as staff. And then of course I did too work for, Junior Achievement, for right. a couple of years. Right. Now, Tim, I think, I don't know if we confirm this or not, but my second director, Jeff Miller, didn't he go to Indy? He did go to Indy. Yes, he, our, yes, he did. Favorite people, Marv. Uh, you know, Jeff did some great stuff for the organization, helping lead uh, um, Exchange City, as it was known. Uh, when we first brought it on, but uh, it was an interesting workplace there in the last year and a half or so, shall we say. Did he walk around the office doing this all the time? Yeah, he, he prided himself <laughs> on being Kramer uh, yeah. from the TV series Seinfeld. So anytime he would walk into a room, staff meeting, anything, he would, you know, blow the door open uh, and have a Kramer, you know, move every time he walked in. So yeah. I don't know if we can talk about this, but I'm going to anyway because it's my show. He, did he end up in uh, Desperate Times? 
shall we say? I believe so. Um, I left the organization as a result of some of the goings-on uh, there at the time. And uh, in my limited contact with the organization, and I'd bump into people that, you know, had either left or were still working there, things had not gone well for him as it related to the organization. But outside of that, I really couldn't tell right. you. I don't know. We'll have to talk off air on that because I've, I've been trying go. to confirm or deny rumors and stuff. So who else? Yeah. Listen, isn't that isn't that what we did every <laughs> year? What are you talking about? There are no rumors that I would profess to knowing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of rumors, I'm going to pull up something here. So, of course, I always try to let people know when I'm going to be doing the show, and I've got a couple of. Let's start with. Well, first, we'll start with a nice one. So I'm going to open up this photo here. And we will share the last time that I saw Tim. My screen is going wonky. So let me get this here. Share that. So I put this as our promo picture. Yeah. So basically, these were the last two times that I saw each of you individually. So as we go through, Tim was at the 2019 uh, NAJAC reunion that we had, and you can also see uh, Bill and Marty Mark there. And the last time I saw Chip was this. <laughs> Chip, do you remember that? What, <laughs> what was that? And he lost what I remember, Marvin, about that evening, and I'm not sure if it's at this location or it was at a follow-on location, the picture is a little clouded, was that we ended up at some establishment on the dance floor, and then other parties came into the establishment and I recall noticing that at least one of the individuals was wearing an ankle holster and we ended up like back to back on the dance floor trying to make sure we didn't get our butts kicked for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> right. And, and uh, I think this picture preceded it slightly, um, but I'm not positive. So you would have to comment. You, you would have to comment there, Marvin. I don't have a comment because I don't remember this, and <laughs> this just looks like uh, looks like karaoke, and I don't understand why. Yes. That looks like the Ann Hale doing the godlike bow down to us. Yes, that's because of our tremendous singing skills, <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, I think then we ended up uh, at, at some point bar where really we probably should not should not have been <laughs> and, Isn't that how it usually ended up though yeah and then and then <laughs> this picture so i i got <laughs> that uh first of all what was it like to be on a national stage pimping yourself out there mr chip Marvin, I've been doing mo that most of my adult life, so I really think it was just felt pretty natural. Okay, so yes, this um, this unfortunate photo taken 
a number of pounds ago and uh, probably about pushing 40, 35 years, probably 35 years, if I'm correct, was part of a fashion show that someone somehow convinced me to participate in um, when I was on the staff. I, I think that's it. This is just like circa 1984 talent show. Does that sound yeah. about right? That that could be, although I don't know if it was, I believe we were doing some sort of commercial or something, because I can assure you I was never in the talent show. <laughs> nor, nor would anyone ask me to have anything to do with the talent show, except if I were doing some sort of self-mocking, which is clearly what's going on in this photo. Wow. I, I'm just, I want to remind all viewers that, that uh, at the time, Chip was uh, under the employ of the U.S. government as a naval aviator. Uh, and so those are your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen, uh, carving that chiseled body, you know, getting them into that kind of shape is, is, again, clearly the military works in taking some of our softer young people and, and, and turning them into that. You know, it's impressive. I must say. Nice. There, nice. there was a day when I could pull that off. Now is not that day. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you to prove that or not. So, <laughs> all right. I'm looking for a picture, Chip, uh, uh, of a uh, a time where we were helping our mother build her de- like rebuild her deck. No, Tim, you're uh, not going to. You can look at that, but remember, <laughs> I can do you much worse. Okay, <laughs> I can do you much much worse. So I would urge oh, you to take a different path. I don't know, Barbara. I could see we could see like you know when Chip when he was like twenty one ish, then we could see him when he was like fifty one ish, you know, and just kind of follow the timeline. So there's really no need for that. Let's just remember the glory days. It's much better. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, speaking of glory days, so uh, we have a visitor in the chat, uh, Douglas Boyd from. Najak Days, who wanted to reach out and say greetings, Uncle Marv, Top Gun, and the Stud Muffin. <laughs> well, so. uh, Mr. Floyd, my mentor. Please, yes, I don't think we can communicate directly with with Doug, but uh, certainly uh, I can offer only only my warmest of greetings to him because. I think I still owe him an apology because I believe he was in the audience when that picture that you showed a moment ago was taken, <laughs> Marv. So I, I really, I, I'm sure I owe him and thousands of other people an apology. Uh, uh, yes, you do. And for using big words when you didn't really need to. Well, if if I can't use big words when I don't need to, how am I going to keep Tim in line? Okay, that's that's really. Okay, but do you remember though that you would come into staff meetings and use words like codify? Codify. That's Tim's favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of us focusing on the task that we needed to do, we're all worried about. Okay, what does codify mean? <laughs> I mean, Chip didn't understand. You have to speak to your audience, right? Everybody in the audience. So. Chip, very intelligent, uh, you know, uh, very pedigreed background, um, you know, University of Pennsylvania, Georgetown, Harvard, 
Okay, but then there were guys, you know, Marv, like, I don't know, I went to Ball State. It's a fine institution. But, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, and all of a sudden Chip's talking about how we have to codify this and that, and I'm, I'm looking around the room like, I didn't know, did I miss something? Did he sneeze? I, I didn't know what that meant. So, you know, I was just asking others for help, trying to keep up. Yeah, so, and I went to Palm Beach Atlantic College. It was back in the day. It's, it's now a university, but it was a college then. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But you know what? So now, Chip, was this before or after you became lieutenant and worked? Okay, here's what I got to clarify. Did you actually work in the White House for the Joint Chiefs of Staff? I was a member of the Joint Staff, yes. Okay. So I did that. But I was at the Pentagon, not at the, not at the at White the, okay. House. So I was working on that staff when Colin Powell was the chairman of the Joint Staff, my Probably my biggest uh, uh, personal military hero, Colin Powell, amazing man. Uh, and uh, that was in 1990, 91, 92 that time. So I, I was in the Pentagon uh, at that time. That's correct. All right. I went to the White House and I spent plenty of time at the State Department, but uh, I did not have a seat in the West Wing. Okay. Any uh... – Tim. Yeah. Any legal? Tim tried to get a seat in the West Wing recently, actually, but uh, <laughs> uh, that didn't work out too well. You know, he ended up down the street. There's you no know, proof that with, I actually with, ever entered the building. With tear gas yeah, but, in his eyes, that sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything legal that you can tell us about your days at the Pentagon? Um. Actually, it was it was amazing because I was there during Desert Storm and Desert Shield. And uh, let me tell you, you know, I was proud to serve my country. I got two very bad paper cuts when I was there pushing the paper that ran the war. Um, unlike unlike John Kerry, I did not ask for a Purple Heart, but they did hurt a lot. Okay, um, but it was really. It was really mostly about uh, lots and lots of PowerPoint and uh, lots because I was one of the original PowerPoint Rangers in the military and uh, lots and lots of keeping people far senior to me informed about things. So I was responsible for what we call the green forces. So I had to keep track of, uh, you may recall, we built a great big coalition. Yes. And uh, so I was responsible for keeping track of all the people, all the forces in the coalition, who was participating, who was not participating, what they were bringing to bear, uh, and then making that information available so that we could uh, make best use of those uh, resources uh, from our from all of our coalition partners. It was an experience that I will I will never forget. Absolutely amazing. Nice. Nice. And while you were doing important things for our country, Tim was. Uh, I was at Ball State. I was going to say, what were you doing? Uh, doing keggers and. <laughs> yeah, well, it was hard, Mark. I mean, I was building a coalition of, of neighbors for, you know, how we were going to all pitch in to buy the next keg for the weekend, for the weekend party, to sure. drive revenue for our various utility bills and expenses that we had for the house that we rented. So is that uh, Lambda, Lambda, Lambda Moo or whatever? Yeah, I mean, and then, Marvin, you want to see, uh, you know, deal with, with uh, group violence. You know, we talk about the, you know, the, the storming of the Capitol building today. Try raising your all-you-can-drink price to your house 
from $2 to $3 a head. And you want to talk about an insurrection. That was, that was people raged about that. Very unhappy. We had to kind of, dude, that was, that was, that was movie money for a dollar movie night. Thank you. That yeah. was that was four beers, right? For quarter four quarter, quarter beer night. Quarter <laughs> beer night. So I just didn't appreciate the, you know, we, we didn't think it was that big a, an increase in price. You know, we had to listen to our customers and uh, make again. I applied my all of the business knowledge that I'd attained through my years of junior achievement. I learned that you got to do more market research before you just start messing around with the price. I learned about supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and price point, like there's, isn't there like an inverse or a, a something that correlation? Yeah, Chip could could throw those about pretty handily. Um, well, you know, you know, this is something that Tim and I have in common because when I was in the Navy, I took my junior achievement learning, and because I was asked to help um, do a turnaround on the uh, base officers club, you know, which is where everyone went to drink. And in fact, that quarter beer night special, we use that to drive a lot of revenue there. It's just somehow Tim got to keep his money and I had to give mine to the government, which <laughs> is really how things have worked out for the rest of our lives. But but see, that's and that's all from junior achievement. True, true. Well, and I, I just want to I mean, I want to take back maybe what I said about Chip not knowing his audience all the time. Um, there was a particular story when when, you know, Obviously, the crisis was building. It looked like we were going to go to war at the time. Uh, Saddam had, like, what, the fourth largest military, more tanks than everybody combined, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm connected uh, with somebody at the Pentagon. I mean, he's on Joint Chiefs, right? So I call up Chip. I got the secret code, you know, the special number to call. Um, I call him up, and I'm like, all right, Chip, they're talking about reinstituting the draft. Um, uh, And they were. I mean, Congress was seriously considering this. I was a little concerned, like, am I going to have to find another major to extend my stay at Ball State, or do I need to start getting into shape, you know? Who are they going to really take on this? And Chip said, well, all right, uh, Tim, let me let me tell you how serious we are looking at this. And I said, okay. He's like, do me a favor. Now, now Marvin, I, for our younger people that are watching this, this is before cell phones. So you had a phone that was attached to a cord to the wall, right? <laughs> He's like, do me a favor and tuck that phone, like, under your ear. And I said, okay. And he said, now take your left hand and hold it out in front of you, palm up, right? And I said, okay. And he's like, now take your right hand and tuck it under your chin. And he's like, can you do that? And I said, yeah. And he's like, okay, then you probably can get drafted. That's you need to take this seriously. So that's how Chip explained to me that I might go to a war in the Middle East and possibly die. Um, but again, he brought it down to like your you know, level, level yeah. and it made sense. Then it clicked. So you know, oh, Chip's yes. always been good at that. Just, you know, dumbing yeah. it down yeah. for the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> and letting us know I'm going to be here comfy in my office. You right. might go get killed. Yeah. yeah. You know, Tim, you can sling a rifle. Let's go. So as I said, wicked paper cuts. Okay. <laughs> wicked. I did end up going in theater actually right after the conclusion of desert storm. In fact, it may, I was there the first day you were able to see the sun again. This was in Iraq uh, after the oil well fires had been put out. And we were there going on a trip to visit the different uh, headquarters. And I was with, I was basically carrying the briefcase of a general who ended up becoming the secretary of the air force, but, uh, or the 
chief, not actually the chief of staff of the Air Force. And we, we visited a number of the capitals and we're doing all the political military affairs stuff, which meant that he went into meetings and I sat in a room and waited and drank tea. They drink a lot of tea over there and it's really friggin' hot. But, um, but that was amazing to see the, you know, what our country was able to do in that conflict, the efficiency and the effectiveness and the speed and everything that people were able to operate. It was, it was just amazing. And, uh, you know, really, uh, changed the way the world looked at it at the U.S. at right. that time. Right. Now, I do need to go back and clarify one thing. You mentioned that you were able to go in theater. We have to describe to the to the audience, in theater means going out into the field, into action, being a part of the events on the front line, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Yes. When I, I deployed to the Persian Gulf and Middle East when I was a pilot, but that was before, that, that was when the Iranians were shooting missiles at oil tankers. So we were like escorting ships through the Straits of Hormuz, but it was not a uh, hot conflict uh, like Desert Shield or Desert Storm. So you were kind of like the character of uh, Luke Wilson and behind, uh, you know, what is it, Behind Enemy Lines or whatever that movie was? <laughs> yeah. Or Owen Wilson? I don't know which one is which. Oh, well, yeah, maybe it was. I, like, I don't remember that character, so I can't answer. He you know. he plays a Navy pilot, and he's uh, all they do is go on patrols, and they're over near, what, Rio de Janeiro or something, and they can't cross the line of demarcation and engage in combat, and he's all frustrated, and he's like, I didn't join, you know, to, to do patrols. I came to go to war, and and then something happens, and he they get caught in a skirmish, and he has to eject, and then he's stuck. And his behind enemy lines. Yeah. That's right. No, he's living through school. That that's right. That, that, that's right. All right. So homework for tonight is go home and watch Owen Wilson in Behind Enemy Lines. All right, guys. So let's talk about life since. Now we've kind of talked a little bit around what you guys have done. Uh, who do you guys stay in touch with that people might know? Tim. Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg, or Chip had mentioned Greg Ginnerick earlier. Um, he was a staple uh, attendee at the conference. I think he staffed it for a year uh, or so, but uh, he lives here in Indy. Um, actually, was just with him last night at uh, a friend's house for the Super Bowl. Um, we'll occasionally stay in touch with, I don't remember, uh, senior staffer Jane Henricks. Yes. Um, Jane mm-hmm. Henricks, yes. Uh, I still am trying to convince her to embrace her Latina heritage. Um <laughs> Even uh, though she's Portuguese, yes, Tim, right? She, she's not. She's just denying her inner Latina, but that's okay, you know. So she's affectionately known as Clean Water Jane. Uh, she uh, is, is close friends with us, and, you know, we talk about having, um, you know, everybody needs to have that liberal, you know, environmental wacko friend. Um, Jane is that. She's worked for, what, EPA chip for uh, or in various levels, for a long time. That's right. Out on the East coast. So, uh, we affectionately call her clean water Jane. Uh, but she's doing well, married with kids and she's as amazing as she was. And to me, looks exactly the same as she did back when we were running around. Uh, and I think her role was to, uh, work with, um, the officer team, right? Chip, wasn't she Mm -hmm. Marvin, you remember yeah. she worked with whichever the elected class of officers was. No, I, I, I was never an officer, no. Sorry. Yeah, I wasn't either. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was, 
the elites, uh, you know. Um, but anyway, she was great. I remember trying to bum rides off of the uh, their limo or their car anytime they were driving around uh, for me and my staff or various members of my group. Um, so I'll stay in touch with her. And uh, I was actually in touch with Ann uh, over the holiday, the Christmas holiday, and seeing how they were doing. Um, and uh, Marky and I will occasionally exchange a friendly political uh uh, you know, Facebook post back and forth. So, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, when you think about that role, the person who took care of the officers, the person who did it before and who did it when I was an officer was Sean O'Hara oh, yeah. yes. for many years. And I had the, the privilege of, well, technically co-leading, but let me assure you that Sean did all the work and was completely <laughs> responsible for the, success of uh, of an effort to try to attract alumni back to the organization. And there were a whole bunch of people involved in that effort um, because it was part of uh, what's called JA Pioneers, which is the, the association of, of retired uh, uh, prof JA professionals. And that was great. Um, also, uh, once in a while, uh, like Dave Eustace, uh, who, so Dave Eustace married my co-counselor. Eileen. Uh, was Eileen Hederich. Now, I, Eileen Eustace. Eileen introduced me to her college roommate, who I married. That is the mother of my kids. I'm divorced now, but the, the mother of my kids. And then Tommy Kushner, in fact, I uh, am in close touch with and see uh, actually, one of the last people I saw before the pandemic broke out, he came and uh, visited my office in Chicago. You know, he's a, a big deal in the finance world and an amazing, amazing human being. So That's lots true. of people, plus the ones Tim mentioned, and I'm I'm missing a whole bunch more. Oh, so yeah. many people uh, who have been friends for so many years. Yep, they're all over. Tom basically organizes all of the events that we've had over the years. Yes, he does. And makes yeah. sure that we all stay in touch, and he gets us our news. And he was actually instrumental in, I know, Chip, you haven't watched any of the shows. Tim, you've probably watched a few. But last week we did a tribute to uh, Johnny Sweeney, 102 yeah. years old. 102. Amazing. Unbelievable. So... All yes, and it would be wrong not to mention the Kalis brothers uh, on this, particularly after the unfortunate passing of Fred Kalis, mm -hmm. uh, former um, former mayor of New Bedford and a JA staff member and longtime JA volunteer. In fact, when I was an officer, I went to New Bedford on a speaking engagement, because back in the day, the, the officers were sent around the country to different JA uh, events. And that was because Jane Hendricks um, was uh, there and had asked, she was very active. I think she was a senior in high school at that time. And uh, Mike Kalis was on the staff. And uh, they asked me, uh, they picked me up at the airport, Mike and a, a, another guy, and then told me that we had to go to various functions and ended up taking me to a wedding at what was called Monte Pio Hall, the local kind of like almost like Elks Club or something in New Bedford. Uh, but it was uh, New Bedford's 
has a very large uh, Portuguese uh, population. And so this was a wedding reception entirely in Portuguese. And understand, we were crashing it. We had no idea any of the people at the wedding for any reason. And they were doing it slowly to terrorize me. But uh, had had a many uh, a good time. And, you know, Fred Kalis, just an amazing, amazing man. Yeah. Yep. And I just put up on the screen, if you are able to look at the video here, the link to the web page where you can participate and pay Fred a tribute, tribute.co slash radar, as he was affectionately known at the conference for many, many years. So that will stay in the show notes, folks. So if you are not able to watch the video and you just listen to the audio, when you get a chance to go to the webpage, uncomarv.com, find today's show, and you can see the link in there to leave a message or a video for Radar. Well, I, I just want to kind of piggyback onto some of the – I know we're kind of going back to the beginning. Marv, you kind of directed us to what we're doing today. But I just want to – so much of what, you know, we, we – and I, I say the Najak Junior Achievement family are doing today or experiences we have or families we have or what have you, or because of some of the unique experiences we were afforded when we were young. I mean, not just the conference. That's right. Um, the amount of, I, I, and I, I worked with high school students, high achieving high school students. Um, I ran a youth sports club for 20 years. Um, I taught AP American history as one of my other subjects that I taught. So I'm used to working with high achieving kids. And I think back to what we were, the opportunities we had and compare that to what kids have today, or it's just, it's just a different level. Um, when I was a sophomore, I think, we hosted the National Business Leadership Hall of Fame here in Indy. Peter Uberoff, you know, was involved with Junior Achievement and with a conference. And I'm sitting there, and I'm fortunate enough to have a picture. And here's a guy that just ran the Olympics, you know, and did all these different things. And went on to be the head of, the, you know, the league baseball, et cetera. And I'm a high school kid talking to this guy. And not just like, you know, hi, you know, Mr. Uberoff, my name's Sam. He's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, and moves on. But, like, you know, engaged conversations with the group of us, these high school kids. Uh, and I got to escort Trammell Crow of Trammell Crow Properties, which I believe at one time was, if not the largest, one of the largest rental property and, and uh, um, companies in, in, in the country. Largest developer in the U.S. right now. Yeah, okay, so there you go. Um, and escort him uh, here in Indy for, you know, like a day and a half. Pick him up at the airport, bring him back, you know, to and from Black Tie Affair and, and talking to this guy. Um, uh, among all the other experiences, you know, that, that we have and have had. Um, and so that, that organization continues to provide people and kids interaction. And, and uh, you know, uh, you know, we all know all the different people that are still involved. But honestly, like I was in the classroom working with some of these kids, but I look at somebody like Chip, and I mean this sincerely, just listening to his background and all that he has done, Right. And he's working with inner city kids in Chicago, you know, back in the day when Cabrini Greens was still around and, and working with kids like that and, and everybody else that you work with for those types of opportunities. And I don't know what the tens of thousands of, of business professional volunteers that we have today as an organization still going into the classroom. Just amazing. You know, like just there aren't many organizations that, that afford kids that kind of opportunity that obviously carries over. Uh, to, for so many people into their adulthood, you know, people at Najak are the best of the best. And I, I do not consider myself one of the best and brightest at Najak, 
it was amazing to be around everybody else that was, you know? So pretty cool. You know what I remember about it is remember I told you I got there by accident. Although the executive director tells me it's, you know, it was no accident. The people that did mention you, let me slide this here. You, you were president, president of the, of the year. Department, is that right? Yes, yes I was. Yeah. Did you just slide that in? Okay. I, well, but I wasn't yeah. like given the spot just, you know, it wasn't I, like I, I won the spot. Actually, Cause you were president of the year. I mean, uh, Vice President of Marketing, you were President of the Year. <laughs> yeah, I think some, you earned it. My some tiny little thing. But <laughs> the opportunities that arose from that conference and being able, like you said, to to see business leaders and not just, oh, yeah. you know, not just see them on stage, but to be able to interact with them because some of them were, you know, there was one day, what was it, BINE Day, Business Industry right. Education Day, that they were yep. there. But some of them were there you know, the day before, the day after, and basically hung out with us and That's allowed true. us to just sit with them and talk with them. Now, remember, this is, you know, you talked about before cell phones. This is before social media. You know, we're doing yeah. this, you know, in person, you know, 3,000 strong, walking from place to place. I mean, there's no way kids today would walk as much as we walked at that conference. No way. But... Right the amount of work that we put into being there is basically exponential in the amount that we got out of it with the people that we met, not only in industry, but, you know, people like you guys that were our friends basically for life. And that's one of the reasons why I like doing this show is to show, you know, yeah, we can, you know, I have a lot of shows where it's about the high school buddies that I went to school with and, you know, we've all stayed in touch and college buddies, but, you know, here are people, I saw you guys for one week a year for a few years. Right. Mm -hmm. And the stories about how many people you met your wife, Chip, because of that. A lot of people were, you know, best man and maid of honors at each other's weddings. You know, the types of interactions that you had just in life and business because of that conference, it can't be measured. Couldn't say it better. It was yeah. just an unbelievable thing. When I think about that, if I trace my life, you know, we came back from Puerto Rico as kind of a tough time for my family, and that organization ended up being my anchor during a very difficult period 100%. and then gave me the, the success because I did win some awards and stuff that helped get me into college. And I got into a good program at a good school, and I would not have gotten into that program would it not have been for my participation in JA and what happened to me at NAJAC. And then you trace that forward. That was some of the core volunteer work that I did that along with my military background, because I didn't have a private sector background, that's what got me into graduate school. And I've been in the Navy. I had no money. In fact, I received a fellowship from JA that covered part of my time at business school. And it was, it was the kind of, for me, it was enough money that made it possible for me to go there as someone right out of the, the military. And then when I got out of business school, I went to McKinsey and Company. And I got this phone call 
from the assistant to the managing director. And I was convinced I was being fired and I couldn't figure out why because I hadn't even been there that long. But the reason, and I was just terrified, and I went up to meet with him. And re the reason he wanted to talk to me was because the president of JA of Chicago, where I now live, knew that I was a Najacker, wanted him to join the board of directors because he was very influential in the business community and knew that he wouldn't really have the time to do the work and suggested that I would do the work for him. <laughs> and which of course he asked me and I said, yes, that helped me to start a volunteer program inside of our office at McKinsey. We adopted a school, Tim referred to that a bit ago. We expanded the program. We did pro bono work. That's how I got to meet all sorts of people in the Chicago business community. It was the core of my network in Chicago yep. and then led me to join the board and make that, a, you know, a chance to give back. Uh, but to say that, you know, I consider JA to be a debt I will never be able to repay uh, because of the positive influence it had uh, on me. And, uh, you know, if I look back with any fact base, if I try to, codify my personal history, uh -huh. um, I have to write junior achievement an awful lot in that codification. And uh, that's, you know, it's been so meaningful to me. And uh, I hope I've been able to help a lot of kids along the way. All, all of us have in, in our, in our own way, I'm sure. But, but I, I, it would be very hard for me to have, given back more than I have received from the junior achievement experience. Well said guys. Well, well Agreed. said. Yep. All right. Well, let's see. We're coming up on 50 minutes here. I know it's late for some, we usually start at eight, but we had to make special arrangements for some. Uh, I wanted to be sure to get you guys on. We've actually been working on this for, for quite some time. So guys, I want to thank you for putting up with my pestering. <laughs> getting you guys on and uh any any words you want to say to anybody specifically anything you want to do a shout out or anything like that uh, i would just say like i mean i you know we it just you know i get triggered all the time when we start talking about najak in a, in a very positive way not the way people use the word triggered today but you know just guys like lou or some right you know lou has nice. just been a person that left such an impact at the conference it, I just think of uh, his passion for what he has done professionally in his private life. The guy has never wavered. You know, he's always done what he's loved. Um, and the impact that just that just came through at the conference when he would lead us in song and just doing the talent show, just all the other things that he did. Doug Boyd, I, I'm glad Doug popped in here for a minute. Yeah. I hope you're listening. He's absolutely like one of my all-time favorite human beings. Uh, absolutely a mentor uh, when I was going through the conference. James, just just everybody. Um, I know yeah. I, I know everyone says this says this in this cliche, and I'm sure I'm leaving people out. I know I am, um, but but to that I want to thank you, Marvin. Uh, you are never a pester. Uh, I was so glad that I got to see you 18 months ago. It was a very trying time for us. Our father, as you know, was literally in the middle of passing away, but it was that important. Like I had to come back to Indy for work for a day or two, and made sure that I drove down to Bloomington to see all of you. And, uh, and, and a day or two later, a few days later, our father passed away, you know, back down in Florida. 
Um, but to be able to come and say hi to everybody and say thank you for all of the warm wishes and the condolences and everything that everybody shared for both Chip and me, um, that, that just, again, I, I can't thank all of you guys enough and Marvin, you for doing this and your years of, of sending out the, the newsletter uh, that I absolutely loved. It was just great and much appreciated. And that's a thank you that I'll never be able to uh, repay or, or get you or anybody else to truly appreciate how much that means and has meant. Good. Thank you. Plus one to everything Tim said, that usually doesn't happen in my <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let that be on film. Plus one to everything Tim said. And Marvin, thank you so much for everything you've done over the years and helping keep the group together and I hope to make the next reunion. Well, yep. definitely we want to make sure that you guys get there. I you know, I tell the story that I almost did not go to that reunion. And if it wasn't for the wife saying, as much as you talk about junior achievement and as much as it has been a part of life, your life, you need to go. And she, you know, gave me a good old swift kick in the butt and I went and it has been, you know, it's going to be one of those things that is a pillar of remembrance, you know, just like the conference going back and seeing everybody and, you know, literally feeling like we had just left. Yeah. And we're back. Yep. So that's, well, you, are, uh, you are welcome here in Indy anytime. We will be venturing down to Florida uh, come July to take our mother down for her 85th birthday. I will be in the Sanibel area. If I can get down there before that again, I'll let you know, but we would love to see you and you're always welcome here in Beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, I will. Open, by the way, like our downtown is open moderately, unlike Chicago. So, um, you know, Indy's well, a great stop I will. Uh, I will say this: I, I may try to get to Indy. I'm not going to just throw that out there, uh, but I should be in Chicago later this year, and right. Sanibel is not too far away. So, uh, if you make it down there, let me know. It's just a, a jaunt across Alligator Alley. So. There, there you go. And feel free to drop by Chicago, Marvin, because it's 12 degrees with the temperature dropping and snow coming down. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I look forward to your imminent arrival. Yeah. Okay. So we were just dodging freezing iguana last week at 40 degrees. I don't think I'm going to be venturing to 18 anytime soon. <laughs> You're missing uh, out, Marvin. I'm sure I am. Well, guys, thank you very much. I'm going to ask you to hang on through the outro here and uh, be a part of the post show. Ladies and gentlemen, you have listened to Chip and Tim Hart, the Hart brothers. Yes, not of the wrestling fame, but of junior achievement and Najak fame. And you've heard the great stories and remembrances of two gentlemen that I have grown to know and love over the years and thank them for all that they did in service to junior achievement and to other parts of their life. We will be here every Monday night, hopefully, to share more stories, life lessons with friends, family, and almost famous people. And Tim and Chip basically fit all three of those categories, uh, Chip being the almost famous one, and Tim being closer to family. So <laughs> That's the way it works. That's yeah. all right. I'm a little child. I get it. Okay. All right. Uh, but guys, thank you again. And ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this episode of the Uncle Marv podcast. I hope that you join us again next week. Same time, same channel. 
And until next time, holla.